0: Turn with me over to Ephesians chapter four. And let's talk about something. I've, sometimes people have asked me, uh, uh, why is it that I don't teach a lot on end times? A matter of fact, you probably have noticed, well, wow, hmm, I've never heard Pastor Ian actually t- teach on end times. <clears throat> I think that there's a, there's a bit of an issue that's gone on in our world. I don't think, and, and, and I'll maybe summarize it for you, I don't think there's anything wrong with an end time teaching Uh, I just feel like uh, you have to be in the right place as a Christian in order to talk about end times. My observation, kind of having lived through the 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 88... And uh, then the 89 reasons why he didn't come back in 88. And then we had June the 13th, I think, was another day. Some year was supposed to happen. And then, of course, it was the year 2000. Then people were wondering if the Mayans had it right, and it was actually 2012. And we've gone on and on and on and on with this, uh, this concept, I think, as we drew close to the millennial exchange from the 1900s, or the 1000s to the 2000s, uh, that there was this groundswell of information that we were going also, we were approaching the end of days. Now, I don't think that we're not approaching the end of days. I think somebody's going to be approaching the end of days, and we're certainly, I'm approaching mine. And so there's a reality that each one of us need to contend with. I just was kind of concerned that the, my observation of what happened as we did all of those things in the hearts of people that really weren't ready to understand that tomorrow could be our last day and what i saw happen is it really created a lot of fear in people matter of fact i think it cost us an entire generation of people uh, who are uh, were really concerned and became very fearful and very uh, self-focused because of the fact that you know we can we're gonna be out of here tomorrow or Jesus is coming back and I can, you know, we can run up our credit cards, don't worry, we don't have to pay, you know, it's oh, okay. There was all pro- kinds of problems like that that were created by an end time reality that was uh, not, we weren't ready for uh, really to talk about it. And so what I'd like to do today is I'd like to tell you uh, a little bit of why I don't. I have a, I, I, I have a secret and uh, because I have a secret, I know that when other people talk about the fact that we're like ready any moment now, I kind of know that we're not. And so even though I hear people say it could be tomorrow, could be tomorrow, could be tomorrow, could be tomorrow, then in my heart I say, yeah, but it's not going to be tomorrow. Because there is something in the scripture that is very specific. Matter of fact, the marker of the scripture that says is tomorrow going to be the end time? Is it going to be Jesus' return tomorrow? And and until this one particular marker is ticked off, Jesus, the the scripture says, this is going to happen, and then it's going to be the end time. And so you can, oftentimes, what you're able to do then is you can say, well, they say it's the end time, and I'll look around and I say, well, no, that's not done yet. And because that's not done, I know it's not. And so we know that because God saw the beginning from the the end from the beginning, so we know when he wrote these things. And so, but let me, if you're in Ephesians chapter four, let me just show you something for a moment. In verse 13 there, well, you know where you are in scripture. This is when Jesus is talking about the apostles and the prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers. Why did he establish those ministries in the earth for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ? What? In verse 13, till we all come to the unity of, Of the faith. And so, this thing, the unity of the faith, I think, has been an extraordinarily complicated concept in the kingdom because of the word the. It, 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 It helps us to see that there is the faith. And everybody, from the very beginning of when this was written, said that they had the faith. And so it started out being, one religion said they were the faith, and then another religion came along and they said they were the faith, which made them fight against the people who already thought they had the faith. And then the next group came along and had to say, that well, no, 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 they're not the faith, we are the faith. And so then they had to fight with all the two people previously, and all of this stuff happened because everybody thought they were the faith. The The problem is, the word the is not there. It's a, a word that we added It's the same word faith here is the word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, it's spelt in English. I don't know how it's spelt in Greek. But it's the word pistis, and it's the same word where somebody came to the woman and said, it is by your faith that you're made whole. It's the same word pistis. Imagine if we said, it is by your the faith that you are made whole. Well, that would make sense. The word the is not there. We just put the word the as a way to make it make sense in the English language which means what it really says is until we come into the unity of faith. And now this is then a great marker in our lives when we realize that faith is the priority of the New Testament. Remember we started this series back in January, like faith is the principal thing, relating it to uh, Solomon's uh, de- declaration in all of the Old Testament. The, the principal thing, that the only time that's ever said in the Old Testament is when he was referring to wisdom, that it was the principal thing. And so we recognize that what he was talking about was not information. It was talking about as you raised up a child properly, the programming that was inside of that child when he was raised up in the Lord and raised up in the scriptures that they had a wisdom to them of godliness. They just saw the world through God's eyes because everything they understood had come to them through the scriptures. That's what Solomon was talking about. Then when we move into the New Testament, we recognize that that hasn't changed. God didn't change, remember, not shadow of turning. So when we get to the New Testament, wisdom is still the principal thing. We just don't call it wisdom anymore. We call it faith. Because what faith is, isn't a religion. It's not where you go to church, it's not a doctrine particularly, it includes doctrines, but the word doesn't just mean the, 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 the particular church denomination or belief system that you have related to your church activity. It doesn't, just, it doesn't mean that, because it means everything you believe. You know, I, I have some people put their left pant leg in before they put their right pant leg in when they put their pants on. That's because they believe it differently than I do if I do it the other way around. Some people believe all kinds of things. I believe in, well, I don't you believe in using indicators all the time. I, I often run out of blinker fluid in my car, and so if you're driving behind me, understand, not my fault. <laughs> and some people believe, ben, uh, Pastor Ben and I were talking a lot about that the, when he was here, because he's a f- f- you know avid blinker user in every situation. In a parking lot, he'll use his blinker. To, to, to and so it's okay that he's like that. He believes in it. I don't believe in that as much <laughs> as you can probably tell if you've ever driven behind me. What I believe about blinkers is my faith about blinkers. And so what Jesus is saying here, the scripture is saying here, is that when we come into the the reality of the New Testament, that faith, the ability for the word of God to get planted on the inside of a human being, is the principal thing. And he says in Ephesians, That when we, that our pursuit, everything we're doing, all the fivefold ministry, which every single one of you has one of those gifts in your life, the reason that that gift is in your life is for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the work of the ministry, for for the maturing of the saints. That's all been going, for the reason of that, which is an awesome thing, the reason of that is so that we come into the unity of faith. And it kind of doesn't even sound right. The New Testament, God's interaction with humankind isn't because he's trying to create a religion. You have to, and even though we're religious people and so that's so hard, I, when I say that, I go, they go, yeah, God's not about, but what is he about? You see, God's purpose in the earth when he was here was to teach us how to get to the end, which is the unity of the faith, uh, excuse me, the unity of faith. Where belief systems, you are given back the power to choose what you believe. See, we all say that we have the power of choice. You don't. That power was taken from you when you decided to believe something. That's your choice. If I believe the world is a world of shortage, every thought that I have about money after that is, I'm not choosing to think it. I've already decided that I'm never going to be, I'm always going to be poor, let's say, or the world is against me, or you know, I'll never succeed, or I'll never be good enough. Once you decide that, your choice is over now. Now all you're going to do when you look at the world, you're only going to see that the world is against you. You're only going to see that the world is full of lack. You're only going to see that you're a failure. What God gave us the reason that Jesus came here was he wanted to give us back the ability. Can I take another look at that belief system? You see, most of us decided, you see, science tells us, that the, the, the decision about what you believe, you made when you were between the ages of four and 10. Hmm. I don't know if you've hung around a lot of four to 10 year olds lately. <laughs> this is not the time I would say this is when they should make life limiting choices. I don't think they should be determining the course of the rest of their life when they're four. Mm. That's what most of us did. I mean, God said, well, it's perfect because we're gonna train up a child in the way that he will go and he's gonna listen to his parents in this time when he gets to be 11, mm, not so much. And so we want him to listen right now, pay attention to your parents, listen to your preachers, read your Bible, do the storybooks, read the songs, do all of that, So, and we're gonna lock you in when you turn seven or eight years old. You're gonna be blessed and highly favored all the rest of your life. That's God's design. How many of you had that experience? Anybody in here have that experience? So that's the problem. The New Testament is about a transformational ability that we get given back to us when we're 21 or 31 or 51 or 91. And God says, Listen, if you'd like to have their choice back again, if you'd like to start again, I'm going to give you another shot. I'm going to let you be a human being again. The amazing thing about human beings is we get to choose. You know, my dog doesn't get to choose. My fish, they don't get to choose. They just, that's it. Life is all about that. Humans, what it means to be a human is the fact that we can choose. That we have the ability to transform our life into anything we desire it to be. No matter what we have on the inside of us is what eventually will produce on the outside of us. All we gotta do is make the the choice, make the decision. What goes on the inside? What Jesus was doing when he was here and this great thing that is about to be happening right now because I do believe that we are in the end times, which means I do believe something is about to come forth. And I do believe I understand what that is. Because Jesus wanted to give us back the ability to choose. Give us back the power and the understanding of how to change what we believe. When we get that ability deep on the inside, when we understand, we get the power to change what we believe. You know, I have lots of young ladies in my life, and I'm not saying that young ladies necessarily don't understand these concepts, but a lot of them, I hear them come to me and they say, well, I've got a flat tire, and that's a big problem to them. Because they honestly don't know how to make it not a flat tire. But can I tell you something? When they come and they talk to somebody who does know how to turn a flat tire into not a flat tire, the person goes, "Eh." They come freaking out. My, uh, my car goes click 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 every time I turn the thing. Well, no, we know how to solve that. It's not a big deal anymore. Because you know, how many of you know what that problem is? Click click click. You know what? The All the guys go, mm-hmm. All the girls go, "Huh." Eh? I'm not saying that, I'm not being sexist here. We'll leave that to other people. The little uh, make sure you vote next week joke. I know deep, eh? Like I just zipped through that one. If you're American, you caught it. Canadian, probably not so much. You see, when when we have an understanding, when we really understand that we can change anything about our lives, when we can change what we believe, when you come into the whole kingdom of God, right? Imagine the billions of us that are on the planet right now. If we forget about the fact that it's for the faith, which means we have to fight against everybody that's not of our faith, yeah. and use all that energy to join ourselves together and say, wait a minute, that's not exactly what Jesus was talking about. When Jesus was here, he was talking about faith, Amen. not a religious group of people, but a, the, the concept. That the freedom that is available in the New Testament, the freedom that comes from the truth is not that you have the truth in your lap. We have, how many of this, how, much, how many people, how, many, how much of this is true, does anybody know? The whole Tang. It started being a tang when it was Moses' day. There was truth on the earth back in Moses' day. They started writing this book, well read, good to see, Caleb, Cato. I love to see a Bible that kind of falls into 92 pieces. The whole thing is truth. It wasn't that we could buy something that was the truth. We could always do that back to Moses' day. The reality, the freedom that comes from the truth is that we can know, gnosko, come into intimate relationship with the truth. You see, what happens is, the, the, the unity of faith is when the whole kingdom of God that is on the earth g- g- zeroes themselves in on the fact that this is the priority. We need to give back to the kingdom of God the ability and understanding, the machinery and mechanics of how do you change what you believe. Because when you change what you believe, you can change everything else. We can establish now the difference between the people who are in the kingdom of God following the ways of God and everybody else. See, you got your, you know, you come to your Jesus social club, that's okay. They go to their Jack Daniels social club. What's the difference? They have their club, we have our club. There's no difference. We're just putting in time. They're learning, you know, how to make a good hops beer. And we're learning how to, what the book of Matthew says. You got your stuff, I got mine. It's no difference until the real difference comes on the scene. That people in the world, as Pastor Tina was referring to earlier, you know, how did you say it? They can't change a tiger's spots or something like that. And so then you get, that's the way the world looks. I was, I was, I was kind of joining into your joke there. Glad you caught it. You can't change. The world knows that. Go into the penal system. The penal system will tell you nobody changes. And then there's some people who do, but then they go back to saying nobody changes. Because you can't change. If you don't understand how to change, you can't change. You just argue, Maybe you adapt, but you don't change. Maybe fit in, That's right. but you don't change. Mm-hmm. Go to Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter four, it tells us when Jesus was here, what did he do? You know, can I give you a great suggestion? The Lord said to me when we started this ministry, he put me on a strict assignment. I loved reading my Bible. I used to read my Bible covered, and I had a Dakes. I mean, I am a serious Christian. People are wondering, what's a wonder. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was very strict with me when we first came into ministry. And he said, Ian, I need you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over and over and over and over again. As a matter of fact, I don't even want you to read the whole book. Sir. I just want you to read the red letters. I just want you to focus in on what did Jesus say? And what does that mean? And so for the first year or so, it could have been even more than, longer than a year, I just cycled it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. There are a couple other red spots in the Bible. I took the liberty of going there too, but I stayed Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just the red, just the red, just the red, just the red, just the red. Can I tell you what happened at the end of that season? I started to realize a lot of Christianity isn't about what Christ said or did. It's all about the other, and I'm not saying the other stuff's not good. But Paul himself even said, no, we start with a foundation that has already been laid. A foundation, who laid it? Yeah. Christ Jesus laid it. You cannot, you cannot build, it's like going into, into calculus class. You can't go to calculus class and know what they're talking about if you didn't go to the one plus one class first. You'll think they're talking about something, ever join a conversation? Yeah. When you're coming in the middle of the conversation and you oh. kind of think, well, I'm sorry, you don't like me? Is that what you're, the bottom line here? You don't understand what they're talking about because you weren't there from the beginning of the conversation. Ever had one of those conversations? Yes. <laughs> yeah, any of you are on Facebook, you know? It's <laughs> joining in the middle of every conversation that's going on in the world. It's so fun, actually. Not. So now we're looking in Jesus's life We're at the very, very beginning. I'm gonna read something to you, and I want you to imagine what you think about what I'm about to read to you. Let it conjure up some pictures on the inside of your mind, and tell me what you think I'm saying. As I go to verse, I think, 23, am I right? Yep. And Jesus went about uh, four, Matthew chapter four. You know where you are. You're in the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. We're just this is almost the first reference to anything Jesus did after the Jordan River filled with the Holy Ghost. Now do something, Jesus. This is what he did. And it said, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. So what did Jesus talk about? Because it was just like this. Jesus was at the front, Uzal was in the seats and Jesus stood up and he started to talk to people. And the title of his message was, The Gospel of the Kingdom. Does anybody know what he said in the middle of that gospel of the kingdom? He was teaching something. And it says he went everywhere preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom. And so if you're a Christian, first put down your weapons Because what I'm going to tell you is going to shake your Christianity to the very core. I say these things with fear and trembling. I remember saying it one time in a Baptist church. I said it from inside the pulpit. Because I knew that I was going to address something that they thought was non-addressable. If anything is unaddressable, it is the gospel of the kingdom. I absolutely know. Every person in this room will say, I mean, if you've been saved, if you've been to church at all, ever, then you're going to tell me, if I had you stand up today and you say, what is the gospel of the kingdom? You would say, well, Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and confess those things, confess your sins, accept Jesus as Lord, then you'll get to go to heaven when you die. That's the gospel of the kingdom. The problem is, it's not. It can't be. The reason it can't be is because we are in Matthew chapter four. Jesus doesn't die until the other end of the book. So you'd wonder, well he was probably telling them one day I'm going to die on the cross for you nasty little sinner people. Well that's unlikely that he said that, isn't that true? Peter was probably at that meeting. Peter was very surprised, wasn't he? Very surprised that Jesus was gonna die on the cross. Other scriptures when Jesus is out and he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom, then there's the high priest and there's, there's the high priests, and then there's the council and then there's the elders and then there's everybody else and they started to criticize Jesus because he was doing a lot of miracles. Not because he was telling them See these Jewish people over here? That one, that one, that one, that one, that one, and that one are gonna take me off in chains and they're gonna hang me on a, on a cross and they're going to kill me. Because if he'd have said that, I think they'd have had issue with that. See, the problem is, do you have that clip ready for me out back there, Caleb? <laughs> Strange but mystic silence. <laughs> are we ready? Here we are. Turn the lights down let me let and watch you'll you'll recognize the movie I can't figure out how Pellock did it. Where do you get a copy of the headpiece? There are no pictures. No duplicates of it anywhere. I tell you only what I saw with my own eyes. A headpiece like that one. Uh, Except around the edges, which were rougher. In the center, the Frenchman had embedded a crystal and... and surrounding the crystal, on one side, there were raised markings, just like that one. They made the calculations in the map room? This morning. Willock and the boss German Dietrich. When they came out of the map room, they gave us a new spot in which to dig, out away from the camp. The well of the souls, huh? Come, come, look, look here, look. Sit down. Come, sit down. What is it? This is a warning, not to disturb the ark of the covenant. What about the height of the staff? So, Bella get it off of here? Yes, it is here. This was the old way. This means six Kadam height. About 72 inches. Wait! And take back one Kadam to honor the Hebrew God whose art this is. Said their headpiece only had markings on one side. Are you absolutely sure? Belloc's staff is too long. They're, They're digging, digging in, in the, the wrong place. place. <laughs> <laughs> I am the monarch of the sea. I am the ruler of the... Bad dates. got it, guys. Okay, let me have the lights back on for me. This is how I felt 15 years ago when I realized that the gospel of the kingdom, the thing that Jesus came here to teach, because he had two parts of his life, his teaching ministry, and then his sacrificial ministry which was on the cross. He took three years with us as human beings and it says in this scripture that he went about everywhere he went preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 24 and I'll close with this. Because you are gonna come and you're gonna come back next week to understand what the gospel of the kingdom is because what this is going to do now, this is going to transform Your relationship with the New Testament. It is the difficulty that I have in my life right now that when I read the Bible, I sit down and I would like to read for a few hours, but literally every time I sit down to read the scriptures, my brain is so on fire with the things that I'm reading in the scriptures knowing that everything in the scriptures in the New Testament means something different than we thought it means. And it has transformed, as many of you know, coming here to Victory, as they're talking about it, there's something very special about this church, and it's not because Ian here, it's not because Tina's here, although we're awesome, as most of you know, if not, ask your neighbor. There's, (laughs) the reason that this place is special is because our focus has moved to the gospel of the kingdom. You see, everything is accessible through God because you can believe it. Even your salvation, that if you believe that Jesus died on the cross, as Romans chapter 10, 9, and 10 says, that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, then you will be saved. The problem is most people don't understand. We have not majored in the kingdom on how do we change what we believe. And so when we preach to a 1,000 people, there's six people that were able to push themselves through the membrane into the place where they can believe, and they're gloriously saved, and they're probably still in church today. The problem is is that we didn't start with 1 plus 1. The problem is, is that we really don't have a doctrine in the New Testament of Christian, in our modern day of Christianity, we don't even have a doctrine about how do you change what you believe. We don't even have a teaching on it. There isn't anybody who can tell you other than, hey, go to church, read your Bible, fellowship with believers of like passion, pray. See if it works. We don't really understand how it works. But we're coming into a new day, can I tell you? We're coming into a season let me, let me show you in this scripture, because this is gonna, ready to have your minds completely blown. You all ready for that? Okay, not so enthusiastic, but hey, I'm thinking it's awesome. Okay, Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is doing his end time teaching. He's talking about you know wars, rumors of wars, remember all that stuff? And it says when there's wars and rumors of wars, it's not yet. So we say, well, there's all kinds of wars and rumors of wars, therefore it must be the end. No, actually it says it must not be the end. How do you know it's the end? Listen to this. In verse 14 and verse chapter 24, it says, And this gospel of the kingdom, which one? The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Why am I not normally teaching on the end times? Because I know what the gospel of the kingdom is and I know it isn't being preached. It's not even trying to be preached. But I'm telling you something, when it starts being preached, pack your bags. So today, go home and pack your bags. Because I believe, listen to some of the prophecies. How many of you are prophecy listeners? How many of you have heard that this coming revival is going to be the, 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 so big that it is the summation of all the other revivals coming up into one big revival? How many of you heard that? How many of that bore, bear, bears witness with you even in your own spirit right now? You know that we are like that, that roller coaster car as it's going up the top and some of us are tipped over and some of us are back. Can you feel that? The way that we have access To all the revelations that have gone before us in all of the revivals that have come up until this place. The way we access those and bring them forward is by being able to believe and become established in the revelations that produced the revival. And so there's a revelation that happened in the Catholic church that dealt with structure and hierarchy. Those are very important things. And then there was the Protestant revelations of grace. And then there was prayer. And then there was a worship. And then there was healing. And then there was the Holy Spirit. And then there was all of these things that were going on as revivals were being produced all over the world. This coming revival is going to be the revival of faith where we each one of us can go and grab what the Catholics had and bring it into our lives grab the Baptists and bring it into the Presbyterians and the Pentecostals and the chandelier swingers and all of those revelations because we know how to go and grab the meat We're not going there to grab the religion or the the traditions of those things. We're gonna be able to grab them and pull them into our lives. As we grab what these guys had and grab what these guys had, when Pastor Tina first started the ministry, the Lord showed her like a mother hen as she was brooding all of her chicks together under her wing. That we don't step into this new revelation saying, we got it, you guys don't. What we do is is we go back and find out what did they get when God visited with them? What, What did God give to the Jews? What did God give? Who is our older brother? We weren't ever supposed to separate. All of these people are coming forward and coming forward and coming forward. We are the generation today when the gospel of the kingdom, the ability and the understanding of how do you grab hold of something you want to believe and believe it on purpose, on demand, because you want it as we do that this will be the final crest of a wave that literally will not be regional will not be local and by the time it goes out a couple of miles it it peters out this is going to be the revival that you have been waiting for praying for sensing in your deepest part of your being this is the revival that is going to literally, first of all, revive the church. We're going to go and be able to resurrect the hearts of the kingdom of God that is in the earth right now. Empower them with the ability that they need in order to step into the call of God in their life. Step into their destiny. Step beyond the religious boundaries of their traditions and step into the reality of what, they have been, what has been given to them. Once they get that peace, they step forward, they look over there, and they go, there's something over there I'd like, and there's something over there I'd like, and there's something over there I'd like, and what you're gonna see, explosively on the planet, is a revival, is a revival of the gospel of the kingdom, the message that when Jesus came, he taught everywhere he went and transformed the known world in a generation. You don't need to know that our world is so much easier to accomplish that than Jesus' world was. Jesus laid this foundation so that we would come back after 2,000 years of revelation after revelation after revelation, but it's revelation come, revelation lost. Revelation come, revelation lost. Revelation come, revelation lost. This is going to be this season in the greatest, the most glorious season in all of Christendom where all of those revelations are going to be possessed in the hearts of every single Christian that would choose to have it. That you can do do the kingdom, you can do Christianity like you're sitting in a restaurant with a menu in front of your place, your face and going, I'll have that one and that one and that one and that one. Put your hand over your heart and say, Holy Spirit, this is a lot, but I know this is my season. I have been selected to be in the kingdom at this very moment as the gospel of the kingdom is being released by the Holy Ghost. You saw saw even, Pastor, can I just say? I did not even tell Pastor Tina that I was going to preach on the gospel of the kingdom today. She taught the gospel of the kingdom, just picking it up from the Lord. This is the season that we are in. We're not trying to make this happen. It's just what God is doing in the earth right now. So say, Jesus, I'm in. I'm not going to miss my destiny. I'm getting every drop in Jesus name.